What is up, you ghouls, goblins, bone havers, and gaseous voids? It's Actatus. Frankie. And this week, no one be seated while we discuss bits. So Halloween might be over, but uh, I don't think we got our four episodes out. For Halloween, so this is a uh, Halloween plus. <laughs> the, just because the thirty first is ended, does, does not mean that the uh, the spooks end. Yeah. Because God knows we're onto the spookiest season of all. The time around all the holidays. Jesus. It's the most terrifying time of the year. Yeah, because you have to interact with family. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh it's no good. No bueno. The the here's the thing. 2020's been a real suck fest. Well, duh. But the one blessing into my case is I don't have to attend Thanksgiving or Christmas. Yeah. And I am honestly, that is the thing that's going to carry me for- forward. As your girlfriend, it makes me happy too. I um, hate interacting with so many people. I feel like it's probably <laughs> like we ought to say that we are currently recording on November 3rd. So, we don't know the state of things when we're done, so either that's cool, or that really sucks. <laughs> it's, it's, that's mostly what I was thinking about when I was at work today, was just like, man, this episode's gonna release, and I know if Future Actatus was listening to it, it would be with a, a lens of, these poor fucks don't even know, because I've had that before, right? When I used to, like, listen to, um... Abe Lincoln's top hat before Ben mm-hmm. Kissel got bad. Um, there was I would go back to like episodes in like 2014 or something and just think like you guys don't know how bad things are gonna get <laughs> at all. It's it's what was that only... noise I just made? It was like a donkey. Well, I mean, fuck you. You look like you sound. I do not look like a donkey. You do not look like a donkey. But if I did, what does that say about you? Right. It's it's a stressful time, um, and no matter what happens, uh, there's still going to be work that needs done. That is uh, our end of our election talk. It, I, really, the whole time I'm just thinking of you know that that uh, that meme. Um, damn, that's too long. I'm not gonna read that. But either congratulations or I feel sorry for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of my big vibe right now. Yeah, pretty much. But you're fucked, and you're fucked. Yeah. Just, never mind. I'm not going to finish that sentence. Yeah. But. Keep it PG. Let's, um, let's, let's try and have a little bit of fun. So, <laughs> a while back, um, I was on Cynical Cartoons Mia's Discord channel. And she's got a, a whole section set aside for, like, movie talk and movie suggestions and stuff. And, uh, we were discussing, like, trans representation in film. And a bunch of people suggested bits. So, of course, I instantly was like, I have not heard of this movie, but I'm going to go watch this movie. I think I'm adding it to my list. And that was really solidified. I'm actually going to pull this up. Uh, we probably just made a cut because I, was, I took uh, four probably? minutes to find a, uh, a Twitter post. But um, what really sold me on it was I, uh, I was like hanging out on Twitter, right? Because it's been on my list, but it's like, well, I'll get around to it when I can get around to it. And then um, Mia had retweeted 
from the director a, a screenshot that he'd, he'd made of um, a bit out of the script. Uh, and I'll go ahead and just read this out. Uh, so it's Interior Auditorium, Oregon Day. Uh, standing shoulder to shoulder with her classmates, looking bored as hell, diploma in hand and in full graduation regalia, is a young trans girl. This is Laurel, 18. Writer's note. Laurel should only be played by a trans actress. I also feel it's important not to designate where on the spectrum of transition Laurel is at, so that we can create a collaborative di uh, dialogue about those specificities with whatever talented young person receives the role. Like, there's yes. more to that bit, but there is a specific level of care in that note that made me be like, oh, okay, this is, this I need to push further up uh, my list of, of movies to watch. Yeah. You know, especially because, like, I was talking to, to my youngest sibling, uh, like, a couple weeks ago, right? And we were discussing, like, uh, like trans representation in film specifically, right? Because we had been talking about, like, how cool it is that, you know, they're, like, 15 and in high school, right? Uh, and they've got, like, friends who are openly out as trans and gay and pan and bi and all this other stuff that just... It wasn't as present when I was their age. Oh, yeah. No, right? I know. Like. God, I feel you. <laughs> yeah. Like, one of my, my friends from high school, I think I met them back in middle school or something. They went to, like, the other city school. But um, they were, like, one of the founding members of that school's gay-straight alliance, right? Like, we didn't have one of those when I was that age. That would have been nice to have at my school. Yeah. We only had, like, a handful of openly out people in my high school. Um, and it was still very acceptable to bully them at the time. I will state I did not partake in this, but... I would hope not. You know, the, the, the worst that we had was, like, poking fun at, uh, at the other Josh in our group. Um, but that was way more because he was a very weird guy who liked to binge sevenfold too much. And <laughs> not so much because he was bi. But... Wait, is this the guy with the, from the story? Uh, which story? The dildo story? No, no. The dildo story was um, Jeff and Carlos. Oh, oh, okay, okay. No, this is the guy that we were shooting a uh, zombie short in his front yard. He's the guy. He's the guy whose house I was staying at that um, we snuck away from after he fell asleep because we were all bummed about sleeping outside in like forty degree weather in a gazebo. That's okay. That guy. Yeah, and then he. I forgot my phone there. And so he had to come to my house the next day to drop off my phone and talk about how oh, pissed he was that we all uh, ditched. Well, that's what you get for making your friends sleep outside when it's cold. Granted, sleeping outside was probably the better option. Probably. <laughs> um, from what you told me. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, when I, was, when I was my youngest sibling's age, we didn't really have, like, any good trans representation, right? It was either played for, like, a joke or, as I've said before, it was something like Buffalo Bill, which, while Harris made attempts in the text to make sure that, like, people knew that Buffalo Bill's not trans, A, if you kind of read it, it's like, well, maybe. B, it falls under a very heavy, like, medical exclusionist type thing. And then C... It doesn't help that trans people are already seen by, like, transphobes as just men playing dress-up anyways. Yeah. You know? Doesn't really help that. Yeah, but my point being, like, when I was when I was their age, 
any trans person on screen was like either played for a joke or was like you are a tortured soul who's like looking for a box cutter to uh perform some self-surgery yeah you know you you didn't have stories about trans people who weren't like having a suffering like tortured existence yeah really at least not that i ever watched right nothing in the mainstream that i remember yeah you know um so hearing about a film that like had a trans person in the lead and as sort of you know as as uh of course like the the protagonist in this thing and everything was kind of like okay well look this is a this is a interesting opportunity so then seeing that writer's note was an instant like okay now i gotta push this up my list because the fact that they took the effort to not just specify this needs to be a trans person but also we aren't going to allow the studio to dictate whether or not the, the person is like passing v non-passing and so on yeah uh was like okay this person's making some steps uh and we'll discuss that a little bit i'm gonna get to a interview that uh the director brad michael El- uh, elmore did with uh vulture that um was really interesting to read through and like hearing about some of the the work that he put into things so a little bit more background stuff I'm so sorry. You're, like, looking at me, like, so frustrated. But um, he's done a couple other films. Uh, The one that I've watched is Wolfman's Hammer, which was really fun. I watched that uh, two, three weeks ago, and, I don't know, I really liked it. It's a very different tone from Bit. Bit's more of, I mean, it's played as, like, a horror comedy. Uh, Wolfman's Hammer is way more of, like, a flat drama. But... It's called Wolfman's Hammer, though. Yeah. It, it it's plays a name. It. it plays into it pretty well. Like, it's a whole, like, Shakespeare, but with, like, no. metal and punk groups. It's really good. No. Why not? Stop doing Shakespeare. That shit is boring. Yeah, but no, this is good. <laughs> it's, trust me, it's a, it's a very, it's a movie that I, I was like, okay, you know what, though? I... I almost feel like I know some of these people from, like, my time actually, like, going to shows and stuff. It's like, okay, you know what? Some of these people do map pretty well. I just, I have to say this. While I see Shakespeare is important for knowledge purposes, it's fucking boring. No, you're just reading the wrong Shakespeare. Everybody's like, Shakespeare, Shakespeare, Here's the thing. I feel like you hate Shakespeare almost solely because of Romeo and Juliet. No, I just think it's, I don't know. Like, have you read through, like, all the other good stuff? Like, no. Hamlet or anything? So your your sole point of hating Shakespeare is, is largely A, it's old, and B, Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> Fuck off. Come on, Macbeth is a banger. That's true. You can't hate on Macbeth. Okay, so not all of it's bad, but, like, some of the popular ones, I'm just like, no. Macbeth is popular, though. No. (laughs) You're making me sound bad over here. It's very easy to do. But, yeah, so uh, our lead is played by Nicole Maines, who I know uh, has, like, a role in Supergirl and, like, Legends of Tomorrow. Right, she's, uh... She plays a superhero. Yeah, she's she's got that that sort of claim to fame as, like, the first uh, trans superhero on screen. Um, which is cool. 
unfortunately she joined on like way after i dropped out of supergirl like i th- think i dropped out of supergirl before season one even ended yeah because you're lame it's a great show it just wasn't for me I, it's not meant for you well it's just like the not a lot of the, the a lot of the special effects and um post-production stuff got to me yeah but after they switched over to the cw for networking well, like, I've, I've watched episodes of it with you. When they switched to the CW, that led to the most egregious one. No! Wait, which what one? There was, a, there was a post that came out a year ago or something with a clip for, like, one of the episode previews with, like, a straight-up PlayStation 2 graphics-looking uh, CGI monster villain. Whatever. It was, it was no good. I, but... She's fucking great in this. Everybody in this movie is great. Yeah, this movie's fantastic. Yeah. We're going to do our best when we're going through this one to not do a plot point by plot point thing. Uh, we highly suggest that you do watch it first, but we're going to try and avoid spoiling anything mm-hmm. until the very end where we'll give like an actual spoiler tag. Okay. Is that fair? Yeah. Like, And by that I mean we're not going to spoil like the plot actual ending ending yeah yeah or anything plot points are up to up for discussion i think okay. uh we'll we'll like discuss the ending ending and then we will discuss um i don't know some of the the more interesting takeaways that at least i got from it mm-hmm. if that's okay so i'll let you speak now i fucking love this movie it's so good <laughs> fuck oh i love it so much yeah right like so when you told me about this movie i was really iffy uh, do we need do you want to give a quick like we'll do the the like big like blurb that's given with it real quick so that way if anybody hasn't watched it yet they get a general idea of what we're talking about yeah so the, the film's oftentimes sold with the with the blurb a uh, trans teen moves to los angeles right and gets wrapped up with a group of feminist vampires yeah and, or I guess it's usually labeled as queer feminist va- vampires. And it, uh, it's so fucking good. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Um, like, everything about this movie is perfect, almost. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, there's some bits, um, later on that get alluded to that, um, did bum me out a little bit, I'll admit. But, like, seeing, one of the things that I really appreciated was, like, the scene where, uh, Laurel, our main character, is leaving home right and her parents are like very deeply concerned and caring for her right it was just it was nice to see on screen like parents of trans kids that didn't suck yeah accept them and that's that kind of gets reversed a little bit later in the film where you learn that that really wasn't always the case you know but it's also it's very short and almost a throwaway argument line right yeah uh to to like discuss how like hey this character's not always been this put together but it was nice to see a character who's like, yeah, they're struggling, but they're struggling in normal human ways, not in exclusively, like... Trans ways. Yeah, not in I'm trans and my life is suffering ways, like so much of the media of my youth was. Yeah, no, her life just sucks because it fucking sucks. Yeah, it sucks because it's <laughs> like you live in small-town Oregon. I was about to say what you can attest oh, to. Oh, God, it's not good. You know, where there's, like, there's really nothing after school yeah and i did get the feeling that someone that was to get away necessarily from like the being an out trans person type thing largely because right there's that scene in the party where you have the guy who gave very strong chaser vibes right 
who pops up with the, the oh yeah yeah the whole like I just think you're really brave for everything that you're doing you right see the like, note I made for that guy when that, when that guy popped up I like my I my <laughs> fucking whole body just shriveled I voiced before my skeleton wanted to leave mine too I was like oh my god please no yeah and like I love the way no. that, that she plays it off in that scene right um and it's it's really one of the only like one of those types of scenes that we get i fucking i am miss girl like, like in personality i am this woman yeah i i loved as well her best friend and like their relationship their dynamic um they're basically us yeah and it, it does suck that that really gets pushed aside throughout the film, right? And they do play with the fact that it gets pushed aside. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just a thing of like, ooh, I would have liked a little bit more of this character because as well, like, he plays that role so well for that movie. Yeah. I don't know. That was just me, though. Yeah. No, I agree. It's great. They yeah. Were, they were adorable best friends together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, they made it really clear wasn't anything else you don't have like some weird sex thing in it and yeah it was yeah. just nice because i could see how yeah, it's just that whole best friend in love with best friend thing and the other person doesn't know i hate it yeah i hate it yeah absolutely it's like you can't be best friends with someone and not realize they're in love with you yeah it yeah, doesn't work I think about it i don't think i've ever been in love with any of my best friends fuck you what Look, you and I are friendly, but I wouldn't call us best friends. <laughs> we don't have any friendship bracelets. I'm kidding. You're fine. <laughs> Imagine if that was my bar for, like, best friends require a BFF chain or bracelet. Right? I would never have had a best friend. I didn't have a best friend. Well, I did, but not like that. Even, even though most of my <laughs> friends were punks, we were still, like, and we definitely played with, like, the concepts of heterosexuality and like masculinity and all that stuff we absolutely never would have had friendship like bracelets <laughs> not at that time we wouldn't know <laughs> today absolutely whether or not it would be ironic or sincere is entirely up to uh whoever's looking at the moment it can but, be both yeah <laughs> it can totally be both fuck what what uh, an amazing <laughs> christmas present that would be to get you and i just like matching friendship <laughs> bracelets where did we just go? We just went off on a tangent again. Like, sorry, Frankie, you're not getting a ring anytime soon, but you know what? We'll get eh. matching friendship bracelets. It's fine. I'll never wear either one. I'll have half the BF. You get the other. F? Yeah, you get the F part. <laughs> That's how, how do those anyway. usually break up, right? Because it's like it's there's only three letters. It, I guess you would have to carve down in the F, but there's really not a good line of symmetry for the just, F. like... And F. They I was about to say, F I know I'm her. overthinking this. You are. But I've thought about it before. Jesus. And if you're, I may as well voice it. <laughs> but I don't know. There's really not a character in this that I've hated. I really appreciated as well the whole beginning sequence, right? Uh, with the opening. It's got a very like meta voiceover about um Oh, that was the one thing about this movie that I loved. It's like it didn't shy away from the fact that it's kind of like they play into the I mean, whole it, it vampire knows, it thing. It knows what it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. It very much knows what they're doing, and they're okay with that. Yeah, exactly. Um, as well, like, fuck, the moment that um, Duke, our sort of like lead uh, vampire, gets yeah. introduced. I fucking right? love her. Fucking her, and her style. style. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. I think I came into the, the bedroom. You did? Because like, you and I watched this separately. <laughs> I watched this last night. You watched it about an hour and a half ago. Yeah. Two hours, maybe. Uh, the moment I finished I walked into the bedroom. No, the moment she even popped up on screen, I, I walked into the bedroom. I'm like, this style is fucking everything. Well, and I even made a note of, like, it's very, like late 80s early it's, 90s grunge it's very glampire yeah and i'm here for it and i'm like fuck i love it but like everybody in this movie like all the girls were just dressed like very punk rock grunge 90s and i loved it yeah oh uh, fuck what was that one so um, much that one vampire uh i don't remember her name and i feel so bad which one it. uh roya uh it was she was the one with the the shaved head yeah that style too, like it was good. Yeah, I love Frog though. Frog's pretty great. But just her hair, man. Uh huh. Come on, that hair is with that flower and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. It's, it's impeccable it's... right there. Yeah, like there's I don't know. There's just a lot that I I appreciated. It was it was a movie. You know, usually I've got a huge problem of like flipping on a movie and like I don't get immersed or. I'm constantly, like, thinking about subtext and everything for the film. This one, I was fine. Just, like, I popped on and it was instantly like, okay, I'm just having a good time. Yeah, dude, after the first 30 minutes, I took almost no notes because I was too busy laughing and enjoying it. Yeah, like, I felt really bad because I'd intended to take more notes during this. And I took slightly less than I usually do. Because usually I've got about a page and a half, two pages of notes. I think I got a page. And, like, a Exactly. Just one page? Jesus. I was, gonna, I was going to, at the end, write up, um... Like, the thoughts that I had as I was coming away from the movie. But um, my hand was cramping up too much, and so I couldn't really mm-hmm. do that. Well, because remember, I, I broke my writing hand. Like, mm-hmm. So I've never been able to write comfortably. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to make a joke about it being my jerking off hand or something, yeah. aren't you? I know you too well. Yeah. What? So I feel like I, uh, I probably shouldn't. Never mind. What's up? I just want to point out that you don't have to be trans to enjoy this movie. No. No, like it's... Okay, so when we went into this, though, I thought it was going to be, like, really heavy on the trans side, right? Right. Which would have been fine, but it's almost barely mentioned in this movie. That was actually something I was going to bring up, is... Which I love. I really... It's something I really appreciate, right, where it's like, the fact that the main character was trans wasn't... A central focus or something of yeah, it's it. It's only right? touched on like two it's, or three times. It's played around, right? But it's it takes very much the actual like concept of transness and trans women, right? As a trans woman is just a type of woman, right? It's why um it's you have to be very particular, right, to add that space in trans women because turfs won't because they want to see it as something separate instead of as like no, just like there are, you know. Black women, white women, poor women, there's trans women, right? Trans women are just a type of. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I very much appreciated when there's the whole turning scene where she's like, even me? And she's like, why not you? I'm I'm happy that you brought that up, actually. Because that's something I really, I picked up on. I loved it. And I appreciated. And the, um, in that interview with Vulture as well, it's brought up, right? And the, the director's like, you know, of course, you know, in this, in this scene, uh, Duke's not gonna have even considered it, right? She's gonna be like, no, of course, you're a chick, come join us. Yeah. Right? Like, the whole matter of genitalia doesn't play with it at all. And I'm, I it like, makes me was so, so happy. appreciative of it. Yeah. Like, 
I don't like, know. yes, you get it right. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Exactly. Right? Um, I don't know. It's, it was interesting. I, I liked, as well, do you want to discuss, like, the bike club's, like, three rules mm-hmm. type thing? Okay. So, first of all, the moment that uh, she referred to as the bike club, fucking loved it. Yes. Now, granted, they, they, of course, are like, okay, well, that's not really the name. We don't really have a name, but. Yeah, but it's like how that. How can you not love bike club? Yeah. I, here's the things I do feel like to some extent bike club was a word that was rattling around the director's head and he just right? had to put it, it in there like, somewhere it was like the, the impetus for like okay how do I make bike club work what kind of movie do I have to make to get this line <laughs> yeah that's the move I would play with right <laughs> is especially I'd be like okay I got a really fun like phrase here I gotta find a way to work a movie around this I know writes a whole movie for two lines uh-huh um but you know their their biggest rules are uh, no glamoring other vampires. Kill what you Yeah, you eat. gotta kill what you eat, because otherwise they'll turn, and they're not ready for that kind of expansion yet, right? And, and no And then no men. fucking boys. Yeah. No men! And, like, <laughs> their, their reasoning as well, right, which I, I found really interesting was largely basically, like— The reasoning like, was you, interesting. Yeah, you basically, by being a vampire, right, you give uh, men a, a like— special layer of power right yeah and the reasoning is like okay well look men have had power and look what they've done with it like you give them more yeah we're not gonna give them any more yeah and everything which i found really interesting i loved shit sorry yeah i mean like (laughs) it's something as well as i I don't know i hadn't really considered too much the uh like the sort of gender politics of like vampire films right Mm -hmm. where it's like um granted like the first like actual vampire story wasn't really dracula it's actually like a lesbian vampire story that was like 27 years before but you know whenever you think of vampires you basically only think of men right either like in an interview with a vampire sense or like with a dracula sense it is kind of the thing that i never thought about so you just brought it up you know that it's always like the women are all dark handsome man seducing the girl yeah um the women in those movies, right, tended to uh, be a secondary thing or subservient, right? Like the uh, Brides of Dracula, for example. Yeah, right. which is, like, tied into this. Yeah, it's, it's played within it in a really, like, I don't know, a fun way. Like, I, I want to talk about that sequence in a minute, for sure. I do love that they bring in, like, crazy vampire lore and just yeah, drop they, that they bomb on in, you and keep going. Yeah, they bring in the mythology and expand on it. I will say I'm a little tired of Dracula and Vlad the Impaler stuff, but... I'll allow it for this movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things where it's just, it's like, look, we've played with this character too much. Let's, we can really, like, we can expand further and invent new things you and so on. something different, yeah. Yeah. Um, we all know Dracula, we're cool, move on, make something new. But it's, a, it's an easy, like, shorthand, yeah, right? Yeah, it's an easy way to get the point across. Well, it's just, it's a thing where it's like, okay, you say, like, either Vlad or you say Dracula, and people, like, know, okay, look, we're talking something out of Eastern Europe, right? Yeah. We, you, we, you get, just, an, we get an idea of you exactly. You know what it is. Yeah, we know it's going to be, like, a vampire with an Eastern European accent uh, who's, like, definitely upper class because, of course, yeah. vampires in the Bram Stoker sense were written as a uh, critique of monarchs and capitalists, but we won't get into that too much. Yeah, because this episode isn't political enough. Yeah, <laughs> but fuck, where was I even Funny going record- with all that? that we're recording it on November 3rd. Yeah, <laughs> where was I even going with all that? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, right, but it's, it's just a thing, like, I hadn't really considered, it like, is- the yeah. 
role specifically of women in those those movies. Um, there was a there was a video essay that I started watching. Fuck, I can't remember what it was called now, but it deals specifically with the role of women in horror movies, both as like a leading attractor for it, right? Where um horror's always been like extremely popular among women, right? As, really? Yeah, as well as being uh, one of the largest genres to feature like female leads right and especially strong i won't say strong necessarily but um active female leads right yeah like there's Stop a reason calling why the... them strong female leads well yeah like i think in the way I that think, people mean i think strong female leads ought to be replaced with just well written more than anything else right because people take the strong female lead too seriously yeah um it's and it doesn't help that the ones that we always go to are like linda hamilton as Sarah Connor, uh, Sigourney Weaver as Ripley, right? Who are both fairly physically strong right? as well. But I don't know. Uh, th- it was a, it was a really interesting video essay that that deals with like the fact how it's like, oh yeah, horror is also one of the only genres to have an established like there is a final girl, right? Like women play a a direct role. They play a very the... important role. In yeah, horror. are oftentimes like the reason for. Uh, the villain's downfall, right, is through uh, a woman's action, right? Um, I'll have to link that in the description of, uh, in, like, the show notes, but it was a really interesting video essay. Yeah, I never thought of that, essay. that in horror, women really do have a very, like, prominent yeah. place in horror that they don't really have anywhere else. Yeah, and wind up being, like, to some extent, more of, like, the central focus than, than men tend to, right? Barring, like, the monsters that wind up killing yeah. them and so on. Um, and of course, there's stuff to be said about that, about, like, and this essay started to get into it. It was about the time that I paused, because I was, like, I was also, I was juggling between watching that and Trash Future's YouTube streams, <laughs> and that is a tough fight for me, but um, it, it started going as well into, like, the way that, um, you know, of course, men are killed quicker on screen than women are, right? Their kill scenes tend to be more drawn out, and, like, what that actually means, and so on and so forth. But. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of fucked when you think about it. Yeah, and I think that's part of the, the point of that original study, right? Is, like, it was it was trying to ask the question of, like, okay, is horror, like, uh, misogynistic and so on? Which is, it's, it is a question worth arguing, right? Yeah. Um, and there's so many different ways to approach that question. See, this, are there very many? Uh, horror female horror movie directors because I feel like there can't be that many. You don't ever hear about them. Um, you know, here's the thing: is off the top of my head, I can't name them, and I feel awful about that. But also, I can so rarely name people. <laughs> I know, but there hasn't been. I can't think of any horror movie that I've ever seen that's been directed by a woman. I mean, I'm sure there was one in there somewhere, but yeah, definitely. It's just I'm having problems pulling them up at the moment. Like, because that's the thing, right, is I can name... I just feel like female directors probably don't get them as much, whereas they're going to get a romance movie instead. Yeah, I mean, I've talked about this before, right, I think, where it's like, doing this podcast does make me feel like such a fake, like, just such a, like, (laughs) fake movie fan, because it's like, I have a hard time remembering, like, actor names, director names. Dude, if I left for a week, you wouldn't remember who I am. Writers, yeah, you know, I, I can't recognize faces and stuff, but it's like... I do like watching movies. I can name a lot of fucking movies. I can, I've watched so many movies I can't name even half of them, mm-hmm. right? But when it comes to, like, remembering those finer details that, like, are so uh, 
pivotal for like being a movie fan yeah i'm fucked <laughs> you know it's like yeah no I'm, I'm never gonna remember like the weird tie-ins which really sucks like I, I i wish that i had like that that sort of i don't know tarantino level of like okay no i can i can like pull from super obscure film references because for me it's like half the time that information gone gone I just I don't have the brain space for it. Thanks, uh, largely in part due to stress and uh, lack of money. Yeah, and what that does to your brain. But we will also not discuss that at the moment. Yeah, because you melted brain. Yeah, yeah. There's a really good article I keep meaning to read. Um, I know this feeling well. From uh oh, she's called into street fight. I think not last week, but the week before last. That dealt with like the ways in which uh poverty affects brain chemistry and all that stuff uh and the way that uh, it affects like uh relationships and everything as well um i keep meaning to read it but it's it slips further and further down my list <laughs> i've i've had a copy of a book on like the finer points of like found footage and like dissecting that genre for like three months and i've read uh 30 pages because i cannot find the time <laughs> And whenever I can, I'm too busy reading uh, two pages of Hannibal before I fall asleep. I can't read any bits, though. I haven't picked up a book in God knows how long. I know, and you've had me buy you so many. Huh? I'm going to put you on the, on the same program I had as a kid, where it's like, okay, I'm not going to buy you a new video game until you finish your last one. We can't do that with video games. I finish them all the time. I can't do that with video games because I'm never going to catch up on my backlog that way. <laughs> I have to be playing three at a time, like... Look, I can't sit here and just grind out Haruka's fucking song in Yakuza Kiwami. I just can't do it. That's a fucking lie. I've seen you do it. Look, I have played the song 12 times now. I've seen how you play video games. You will do it. You're not wrong. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. Like, there's, there's the way that, um, the, this film manages to both acknowledge Laurel's transness, but at the same time not... Uh, put the the spotlight solely on it was like super appreciated they just normalized it yeah exactly which granted um is part of what the director was attempting to do right uh in that vulture article he talks about how it's like he conceived like writing this movie because he was just like i'm just tired of seeing the same people on screen and the same stories every single time he's like so i want something that's specifically like a person who's not centered in these in these kind of movies and specifically in the like badass hero role and let's be perfectly frank laurel badass Fucking in this badass yeah. in this movie like shit i'm like can i be like, her friend there's there's not many action sequences um and that that comes largely down to budget and everything you know yeah but i also feel like this story doesn't really need them no like you could have done a big thing and had like, fight scenes and all that but it doesn't need it to be a good movie yeah like if this had more of a budget it would be appreciated right i feel like there's uh always more that they could have done with this but the way that it is, is, like, still already, like, a ton of fun. Yeah, but I feel like neither of us would have liked it if it had a bigger budget, because then you would have lost some of the magic. Yeah, po uh, possibly. I know that, uh, I think this also comes up in that article, um, and he's he's talked about it on Twitter as well, uh, that, like, he did have to make a lot of concessions because, you know, it was a thing of, like, he wanted to maintain a, a degree of control over this thing to make sure that, like, the things he wanted made their yeah. way in. Yeah. Like, he was clearly, the story was important enough to him to put in the work to make it. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's like a- you could see him just writing the story, and then when things didn't go away, he just give up. But no, he's like, people need to see this. Yeah, yeah, like and it's, I it, love it that. It feels like a movie that was like really hard fought to to yeah. get going. Definitely, and it shows. Like it shows that like. I feel like everybody that was involved in this, like, really cared for it. and Yeah, I really feel like everybody in this gave it their all to make it as good as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a horror comedy, but it's great. Yeah. Like, they didn't have to go that hard. No. They no, didn't. not at all. You know, one of, the, one of the, the parts that I didn't have such a great time with is later on there's a fight between Laurel and her brother, right, where he brings up, like, how... Like I said earlier, she's not always been all this put together, right? Um, she's had, like, multiple suicide attempts. Yes, but that argument has felt more real than any argument I've ever seen in a movie. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Because that's exactly it's, how people argue. It's, it's Yeah, it's very— It's the low blows and the stuff you know is going to hurt. Yeah, yeah, like, it, it feels very real. It's just, it does— It's not great. It, do, it does suck because it's kind of like— while it's real, it is also, and it does like very much reflect a uh, possible real life situation. Yeah, like like one facet of trans experience, right? Because I don't want to, I don't want to blanket the whole thing, right? Yeah. There's some, there's some people who come out as trans and like it's fine and no problem are relatively okay, right? They don't, you know, depending yeah. on like their area, their family, the 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 community that they're around, right? And then for other people, it's hard. You are not allowed back into this house and you wind up homeless, homeless and and yeah. in very bad situations right um so i do appreciate that it, it does acknowledge though that actually talking to you about it does has flipped me i do actually really appreciate that it, it acknowledged Thank this you. this hardship type thing but doesn't draw a exclusive focus on it throughout the film yeah it's not like the brother absolutely resents his sister for this it's just like I get where he's coming from. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, 100%. It's just, I appreciate it, even though the things you said weren't cool, because it is a real show of what it could be like. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Again, not that every and, time is like that. And besides, I, I definitely associate with you, right? Because, like, as a person who is frequently attempting to just get away from family, like, <laughs> 100%, I can, I can relate with the, like, I need to leave town to get away from all of this drama and like try and be my own person yeah and it's also like i really identify with the thing where he that's implied that he's stuck by his sister no matter what right yeah like he's he like does he, care he's for going he, he on does about like, how he stood by her no ma- through everything that happened yeah but it just hit a point of like it was too he, much yeah he, he needed to like have a life of his own and he didn't feel like he could get that like yeah. living at home with her yeah yeah it's just this movie gets into some shit and you don't even realize because it's such a good movie. Yeah. Uh. Let's see. I'm trying to think. I have to mention the Red Jack Vampire Hunters. Yeah, yes. The Vampire Hunters. Were yes. Back. I wish that they got played with just a little bit more. I know they were kind of just throwaway, like five minutes on screen, but yeah, I like loved once it. Once they're introduced, they're gone pretty quick. It really <laughs> it hits that point where the the film I wish had about. 20 to 30 more minutes just to play in a little bit yeah because it does hit like once you hit about the time that the vampires are hunters are introduced it's like you snap and the movie's over yeah it feels right i really felt like that like the the lead into it was really long yeah and then all the great stuff kind of doesn't come until the end yeah i i wish that it had been um just i wish that there was 
a little, a little bit more time for the film, and that comes down almost, like I said before, just down to budgetary things, right? Yeah. Because um, you've only got so much to pay people with, and so much time to shoot with, and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to make some concessions. Um, let's see. We're going to hit a little bit of spoiler territory ahead, so I will warn you about that now, because it's like... Maybe not necessarily like their their movie uh, ruining, but they are like they're good bits that I feel like are very fun to experience the first time through, and potentially having them discussed might um, ruin them impact a bit. that. That's pretty much it, though. I'll tell you like when we actually start discussing um, the ending and everything. But this movie is so much; it feels so much more about like the experience and watching the the way that characters play with each other mm-hmm. than it is like um, plotline stuff. Yeah, because if, if we're really talking about it, this movie has no plot other than vampires. Well, it, it does, but it's, like, like, um, like Wolfman's Hammer was, it's way more like, I do feel like, uh, Brad Michael Elmore, like, plays with characters very well, right? Um, Wolfman's Hammer is entirely, like, uh, basically two to four characters talking. Nice. That sounds interesting. I know that doesn't sell it at all. No, it doesn't. But it's the the interactions between those characters that kept me like, okay, no, I want to see more of these people on screen together. I get that. Um, you know, when when they're uh sitting there throwing darts and like discussing uh which metal bands uh <laughs> are truly metal and which ones suck, I'm like, oh, I've had this conversation. Well, yeah. Like, this was so much of, like, my middle school and early high school years was, like, <laughs> discussing which specific death metal band was good and which one was posers. Yeah. Discussing why Dragon Force sucks, but, like, Slayer kind of goes. <laughs> you know? And I, I feel like that those sort of character interactions are things that, that this director and writer in particular, like, writes very well and was more of the focus on this movie than, like, anything else because i feel like the plot itself you you definitely have a point where it's like when you get to big set piece type stuff you could probably list it all in about five to six yeah sentences like we we could probably do a complete plot rundown in about four to five minutes but i don't know yeah it was still it's like a blast to watch but anyways um so spoilerish stuff ahead you have been warned um i want to talk about first of all the, the so this director shoots montages so fucking good thank you i specifically want to talk first about um oh just after uh laurel's been turned right and we have the sequence of the uh vampire group like basically going after uh shitty dudes right because like when we first get uh yeah I love like that. duke's big feeding scene right it's like she basically i don't want to say seduces because it's definitely not a seduction type thing right but lures like two shitty dudes up to a uh, bedroom two upstairs shitty dudes hormones against them yeah like <laughs> ties the one down kills his friend and then like before she kills the dude that she's tied down like says very bluntly like Oh, this is largely because you, like, have assaulted another woman. Yeah, it's basically this giant thing of, like, you raped a girl and... It plays really interesting. And I love it. I've got a book that I keep meaning to read on this, but it plays very interestingly with, like, sort of that, um, 
the rape revenge type uh, movies, right? When I'm thinking specifically about like the uh, catharsis in like I Spit on Your Grave, when it's like you've yes, you had to like live through it and see this woman get brutalized, but then seeing her like come back to just terrorize and demolish her oh I uh, know her aggressors is like so deeply cathartic. And in that same way, right? Anytime that they've they've killed one of these predatory dudes, I'm like, you have this yes! brief moment of like, oh yes, please, thank you. You know, there's there's that scene at like the party where uh, Frog is like faking being drunk and asleep on a bed, right? And someone goes to assault her, and then she like chomps Fucking into kills his neck, him, right? Um, the one that I really appreciated is the, the art gallery scene. Yeah, where the art the gallery like, dude. He's he talking that, about feminism. Yeah, he he does that thing where it's like. I'm not gonna say openly that like, I'm either I or. Well, I don't. I don't want to call it virtue signaling because that's like taken over by like right wing shitheads so much, right? But he's like saying the right things to be like, I am a uh, feminist male, and really like the the sort of language of like, I need to get out of the way without like actually examining power structures or anything yeah. like that, right? To to he's got the buzzwords down, sort of to to sort Definitely. of show this clout and. The, and the, our two characters are just like, oh yeah, that's total bullshit. They're like, we know. Yeah, it's like it's just it's a whole montage that's like very deeply cathartic. I don't know. You feel like it was deeply cathartic for you, man. <laughs> for me, this was like, yes. I mean, Duke's like origin story sequence is also <gasps> so good. Like first so of all, sorry. the filming itself. That was gorgeous filming that they did yeah. for that. Yeah, there's so like many there's shots so in many. This. Shots from this movie that yeah. are fantastic. Yeah, kudos to the the director of photography who I need to pull up uh, her name because it's mentioned in that vulture uh, beautiful interview. shooting. But there's so many shots, like the one where Laurel's getting out of that dumpster after she after she gets thrown in after being turned. Uh-huh. Like the framing on that, right, where it's like the there's a dumpster in like that bottom left, like uh, sort of that that uh, second fifth of the of the frame. Yeah, right? it's it's shot so perfectly. Yeah, it's... Uh, with like. It's, it was such good, like, both location scouting and framing. Like, there's so much to be appreciated I really love the shot where they're up on the roof. Yeah. Doing their floaty bit, and she goes up, and it's like, you can just see all of Los Angeles. It was beautiful. Of, there's uh, one review that I read. There's, there was a couple reviews that I read that were very unkind. Um, well, of course. Yes. Some of them for, for uh, somewhat justified reasons. Uh, I really disagreed with the Vanity Fair one that was like, look, this movie's writing entirely off of just, like, it's it's got representation and that's basically it's only thing that it's writing off of um what does I, it matter well it was more of a thing of them saying like look the film itself isn't great it's just got people you. like it because okay, of representation yeah. and it's like well no it's genuinely it's fun to watch like it was a good time you know the yeah. representation stuff was just the initial selling point to me that's why you just don't believe the critics man yeah it's all garbage well to be fair the vanity fair one was the worst one that i read um beyond like internet troll people which yeah. we'll get into in a bit but yeah definitely that that flying scene was so it's so cute like seeing duke and laurel like interacting was just like yeah yeah and fuck okay oh and hold was, on i gotta say this though yeah this takes me back to when i was a kid in certain parts like when they're killing vampires right yeah it's like when they they kill that one vampire dude at the beginning of the movie yes it was like such charmed esque level editing on his dead body. I was like, yeah. "Yes, take yeah. me back." Uh, the director of photography was Christina Dunlap, who like kudos. Those shots were yeah gorgeous. Um, actually, I'm going to discuss this because it's going to be my next piece. Was um, 
Laurel and Izzy's relationship, Izzy played by Zoe Griggs, like, okay, so first of all, when they first met in that bar, like, the eye contact was, like, instant, like, for me, okay, well, maybe, right? <laughs> like, I did, look, sometimes you see two girls make eye contact, and you're instantly like, okay, well, look, maybe there, maybe there can be a thing here. And I was so happy when there was, and when that was played as fine, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know, like, instead of instead of trying to draw a whole weird thing to it. And also, like, uh, one of our, one of the other characters, Duke, is gay. Yeah. So it's just, it's like a lot of good representation in this movie. Yeah. I love it. Uh, so I want to read just real quick from this interview regarding uh, some of those scenes. Uh, so the question is, given that this is a sexy, inclusive genre film, were there conversations on set around how the intimate she- scenes would be shot? And the director responds, one of the things I was really proud of, of it was this scene where Laurel and Izzy are in bed together. We've got two queer-identifying characters, and nobody talks about it. Nobody cares. It's not part of the text of that scene. And I can't not talk enough about my director of photography, Christina Dunlap. Listen, I've got the male gaze. I can intellectually see uh, where that is and try to avoid it, but it's going to be a lot easier for me if I can bring aboard somebody who can mitigate or eliminate that. Christina was integral to the whole of it. And I'm not going to lie, a woman as uh, director of photography was one of my stated rules. I wanted some buffers to help me, and she was probably the most important one. Yes. Like, there's there's a lot of things throughout that article where, like, uh, he recognizes, like, his limitations in this sort mm-hmm. of thing and uh, has done his best to mitigate them, right? Throughout the, um, the interview, he talks about, like, okay, so I, I wrote this script. I first did a lot of reading and research. He's like, I, like, got down to the bare bones of, like, this is, like, gender studies stuff. I read more more time was put into research than it was, like, writing the actual script, right? Um and he's like, I specifically, like, sent this script out to, um, like, my trans friends and trans members of the film community and stuff to get their input on it specifically, where he's like, look, is there any, not for story beats, but is there anything I, like, got coded wrong. in this that, that you, like, are angry at and, like, generally got really nothing negative back? A, a lot of positive stuff, right, with, like, people who, I think one person was quoted as, like, I cried reading it. And he's like, you cried reading my vampire movie. And they're like, uh, yeah, because we don't get to be the heroes. Yeah. You know, we don't, we, uh, he, uh, the director points out at, at one point where he's like, in movies, trans people are frequently like, they're the second lead, the third lead, right? Uh, trans people don't generally get to be Spider-Man. Yeah. You know, which was, I don't know. It was, it was a, it was a really good, uh, I don't know, reading it i was just like okay yeah no you know what your twitter feed already has endeared me to you but this is definitely <laughs> yeah i don't know there's there's something to be loved about somebody who's like who who posts up on twitter like a fuck you to every uh like film podcast and journalist site that didn't review this movie yeah because it, it is a thing where it's like there wasn't advertising really for this there was trailers and everything but there was no marketing budget yeah um, you know i know nicole mains like had done some uh like plugging of it and everything and it had done some talks about it and stuff but they're really like i said i didn't hear about this movie until i was on like a specifically yeah queer and trans discord it's a good thing you were though because i'd have missed the fuck out on some great shit yeah <laughs> okay are there other other sequences we want to talk uh in particular about was what was your favorite sequence in this? Let's ask that question. Well, I wrote it down. Okay. I gotta find it in my list, though. 
mine was absolutely either that montage or definitely during the um laurel's offer to join right uh because of specifically that that there's that very small moment um where that we had talked about earlier where like when the when the no boys question pops up like laurel does have the moment of like okay but real talk where do you guys stand um you know and the, and the way that duke just kind of you know does her best to like reassure like didn't even cross in my mind yeah is like okay yeah no this is a moment that i'm like okay i'm here for this i'm good with this um uh real quick i think my favorite part in the whole movie though was actually duke's like origin thing yeah yeah there's something at the end i gotta talk to you about though okay um we can wait till we get there though i will say uh, this is something also meant to to bring up like their their use of uh that uh rasputin song i can't remember who does it i like i've heard so many other takes on it like the use of that throughout it yeah so fucking good i don't know i was very much here for it yeah i loved it yeah and rape revenge come on yeah it's great yeah um and I love how especially she... like playing with the it's uh, the very like jessica jones like the morality of mind control type stuff I just really love the way the lady playing Duke, like, played it. It wasn't, like, some deep anger thing. She's just like, yeah, I'm going to kill you now. Yeah. You're a shitty human being. I'm going to kill you. Yeah, you're a bad human being. You've outlived your usefulness. There's and just I have like, an opportunity. I very much love when monsters are monsters. Yeah. You want to elaborate on that at all? So it's just, like... It's very common nowadays, werewolves, vampires, ghosts, they're, like, highly sexualized, and they're not scary anymore. They don't my, do scary things. My one critique of that is, like, Dracula has always been sexy. Like, yeah. It's, it's a long-written thing, right? Of course, of, like, uh, the ways that vampires in particular, right, yeah. play with, with, um, with sex and everything. I just... Without getting too, like you know, up my own ass psychology, film talk, and so on about it. It's just, as somebody who likes urban fantasy and vampires and all that kind of stuff, it's pretty common in books and stuff to find monsters that are supposed to be scary but aren't anymore. I, I see what you're saying, where it's like... I love it, it when the guy with... who's supposed to do something bad goes and does it and doesn't give a fuck. Okay. I just like a bad guy who doesn't care, okay? I mean, I think it's a thing that's like... It's hard to explain. It's a hard thing to write for, right? Like, you've been writing your, your uh, thing for a while, yeah? Yeah. And we've, we've had to have discussions of, like, you have an elven race. And, like, trying to actually work out, puzzle out, like, what that, what that means, right? When you have a race that, like, doesn't age like humans, right? Where, like, you're... Potentially you, lives indefinitely. Yeah, but, you know, like, if you live for 900 years, let's say, like... And they do play with this a little bit in the movie, right? Like, what does that actually mean, you know? Uh, and they, yeah, they play with they... that, right? Where it's like, Vlad could have, you know, they we understand from the shorthand that Vlad's a bad person. Uh, but, you know, it plays with the idea of, like, look, Vlad could have been perfectly fine. But when you don't die or age, right? Like You kind of just lose it. You live for, like, the momentary excess and, like, the morality of things kind of loses itself. Yeah, you just, you lose the morality of things because what does it matter? Yeah. 
definitely especially when you you're in that sort of position of power right when it's like really who's gonna stop me like yeah there's vampire hunters but vampire hunters don't understand how vampires work i, I find it very interesting the the potential and i was actually i was actually thinking about this a couple of days before we watched this movie about um the potential for things like uh bram stoker's uh apparently it's supposed to be brahm but i've always said it bram because i've never actually heard it pronounced bram. come uh, on but anyways like the original dracula text right like the, the potential for that to be uh vampire propaganda <laughs> as a way to uh divert with their actual weaknesses to instead be like oh no of course we don't like crosses Dude, definitely would, hit me with that cross shit yeah but come on if you were a vampire you totally play into that shit well but that's the thing right it's like the the potential for like the reason why vampire media exists the way that it does in the bit universe it's could entirely good, be like a conspiracy we just, by the vampires we just put this information <laughs> out there to be like okay well look a vampire hunter is gonna try and come by and hiss with sunlight and crosses and we'll just be able to like, get rid wow. of them and it's not gonna be a big deal <laughs> You know, I, I I don't know. I really I appreciate the way that this yeah. like takes mythology and and expands on it. What we just talked about literally was not a part of it, but I'm head cannoning it so hard. Yeah. Let's see. Any other scenes that you want to uh, point to? I will say something that I had issues with on this movie. I'm so sorry. You're looking at me like a freak because I'm like laying down talking to you about this at this point. <laughs> It's been a day, and saying sat up is uh, not happening. Um, but one of the things that I did have issues with was, like, gauging the – was gauging, like, the passage of time, right? Um, which, granted, is already, like – look, we're in a vampire movie. Like, playing with the passage of time is totally allowed, right? And yeah. it, it makes sense for that character's perspective, for sure. But, um, like, you have this whole thing where Laurel's relationships, like, with everybody else kind of apart and yeah. everything. Yeah. But and it like, takes a while for that to happen. Be, she's supposed to be like hanging out with uh, the bike club more and everything. And it's just a thing like I never quite got a gauge of like what the actual passage of time was looking like. Seemed like at least like six months or more. Yeah. It's, it's hard like, to tell in Los Angeles. Well, and it's just a thing of like, you know, her uh, best friend like d is dealing with a mental health crisis and so on. And it's just a thing of like. I don't know necessarily what that passage looks like. We don't really even know that time's passed until she looks at her phone and it's like, you have 32 missed messages and, like, her brother's calling her home because of an emergency and all yeah. that stuff. You know, it's like the gauging how much time's actually passed in the movie's really tough, but I will also give it, like, like I said, you're playing with vampires who already, like, aren't gonna have any care for the passage of time and aren't gonna perceive it the same way that we do. Yeah. And so I can absolutely see where that's being reflected in the film itself, and I was just too dense to get it at the moment. I can also really appreciate our main character being like, fuck, I'm going to be 18 forever. Yeah. Yeah. Like, such a mood right there. Mm -hmm. Like, you couldn't have waited a few years? I mean, look, that was good enough for Edward. There we go. I just oh. about said the other one. He's creepy enough. Can we not? Look, the only downside is Laurel's going to have to deal with fake IDs for the rest of her life. Which, I love how they Actually, all, they do the whole bit where her fake ID sucks and everything. And I'm like, yeah. Actually, no, I was about to say, I loved um, Duke using the, the glamour to, like, yeah. Jedi mind trick the, uh, the bouncer. She fucking Jedi'd the bouncer. It's so it good. Great. It's a good sequence. I don't know. Like, there's... I'm easily going to add this into, like, a yearly rewatch, I think. 
Okay, the band that was playing uh-huh. when Laurel and her brother go to the first... Yeah, what they I call it. Fucking, it was supposed to be like the Death, Death Valley Girls or whatever is I think what I they called them. I fucking loved the song they were playing. Yeah. Like, yes, I loved well, it. And that's the thing is... Such um, good music in this movie. From, like, think much just back to, like, uh, Wolfman's Hammer, like, Brad Michael Elmore definitely has, like, very good taste in music. Which, I know, sounds like uh, a, a major like suck up and everything but it's no it's not a suck up it's a suck you, something and so if you and i don't have anything else to add to that bit i think we'll get to discussing specifically the ending that okay yes okay because you've been like i want to discuss the ending for a while now the fucking okay so when our dude bad guy uh-huh master comes out did you notice when he walks out of the back that the, through the smoke Mm-hmm. There's the smoky figure behind him. I thought that yeah. looked so cool. It's it's definitely it's pretty neat. I'll, I'll give and it I that. And I was like, I wonder if anybody else noticed that they did that or not. Because it's I, very I, subtle. I didn't feel like it was subtle at all. I feel like it was subtle enough that if you weren't paying attention, you were gonna miss it. Well, I think they they cue you to look for it earlier, right? When they discuss how like he can shape shift yeah. into like animals and into mist and so on. Yeah, right, they kind of cue you to look for it. That and again, it's which it shout felt, out on that bit of lore. I love shit like that. Yeah, that's that's a bit that definitely like beyond shape shifting into into bats and cartoons. It seems like uh, vampires shape shifting is not ever really played with, it except for in, in that one stories. in that one movie. Uh, oh, Dracula Untold. They definitely played with it. Oh yeah, but I read a few books like that mm-hmm. where they get into like the really deep lore on vampires. Yeah. Like, don't they have a weird relationship with the wolves? Yeah. I think so. Which plays very weird for the Underworld franchise, but... Yeah. Actually, I guess that's kind of like... Playing with that whole thing is the whole point of Rise of the Lycans. Mm-hmm. I guess that's fair. The There's sequence just... of them taking down the Master felt a little rushed. I do like the setup that happened ahead of time, right? Like, the number of shots that we get to focus back onto the grate and everything... Yeah. ...were appreciated. One thing I didn't expect was her to bite her brother because i had anticipated from the get-go oh, right, that no. it was gonna be her best friend i totally so when you get the sequence where she almost attacks the drunk girl mm-hmm. i'm well, like and then duke shows up i'm like it's gonna be your brother she's gonna accidentally turn him well it was a thing of like when i totally saw that coming because she's talked like, about coming down to la right i figured he was going to ignore her telling him don't do it well, I and thought come that anyways, too, and I but... figured when he came, like, then you would have an incident. That's kind of what I, I figured very early in. Well, um, I just thought when she gets back to the house, yeah, and the brother tells oh, her what once, happened once to her friend. Sequence, once that sequence starts going, it's like, oh, it's very clear how this is going to end. Well, it is also very... You get, like, the whole thing of, like, she snaps in that moment. Yeah. It's not so much that she wants to hurt him, it's just well, I mean, with her emotions running high from the news that her best friend tried to kill well, that, himself. And also, like, again... Like, and she could have stopped it. She's already dealing with... Starvation. Yeah, vampire starvation, which is already going to impede your judgment. Yeah, it's just, like, it's interesting to see the well, culmination that leads to that. When you're hungry, and you're that hangry. steak is yelling at you, Dude, like, sometimes you're like, look, I just gotta eat the steak. She yeah. hangry ate him. Yeah, what we need to do is get Laurel, like, a vampire Snickers. Yeah, totally. Oh, God, that would be funny. Uh, what I did find really interesting, this is a bit that I wanted to 
talk about specifically about the ending, right, is the reveal where the, the master, right, tells, uh, sort of reveals oh, to the group, yeah. right, that it's like, what's, what's, what's your guys' first rule that you guys, you know, no glamoring other vampires? He's like, well, then why is it that I can tell that my glamour's been in the air the whole time? Right, right? And, like, and like forces, oh snap, twist. Yeah. I'd, I'd predicted that a while back in that movie where it was like, they got, yeah. as soon as they introduced the rule, I'm like, okay, well, look, there's no way that that rule is going to get introduced. And not and fucked later. Duke's not like doing it or somebody's not doing it, right? You know, it's it definitely was, it plays with a very interesting thing where I'm trying to think of the best way to word this. Okay. I think I like, know where you're going with it, but. Uh, there is a, a type of feminism or a branch of feminism, right, which takes in this idea of, like, replacing basically patriarchal systems with just women, and that will be enough. No. And it doesn't go far enough, because you're not addressing the actual root causes of these systemic issues, no, right? No, you're just taking men out and putting someone else in. Yeah, so, I mean, in this case, right, it's like, yes, you've replaced the master, and while the person who's been replaced has a nicer veneer, right, uh, she's still willing to use the same tools to get as what Vlad she to wants. get what she wants, right? And while she's nicer, she's still, like, not actually them in doing the same an improvement, way. right? Um, and it's something that I really appreciate then about the ending, right, where Laurel then is like, okay, well, look, we're going to do things different. First of all, whole world's going to be vampires, right? Taking on the actual egalitarian uh, equality uh, aspects of, of feminism. And then we're also like going that. to we're going to actually share this power amongst everybody. Yeah, I love right? that that your last shot is then yeah. of the film is them sharing the power yeah, with each tearing, other. Tearing down this this patriarchal system that uh, Vlad had put in place and actually like de- uh, distributing it and decentralizing it, right? Giving everybody actual agency uh, within this system. Uh, I also appreciate I don't know if anybody else would see it this way, but in the Duke origin story, after she meets Vlad and gets turned, yeah. it's almost described as, like, a drug haze. Yeah. So th- I appreciate that they also played around a little bit with drug addiction and what that can be like. Yeah. And, I mean, I it's have a feeling, I don't, I don't think it's been brought up at all, but, like, I get the feeling, based off of both, like, Wolfman's Hammer, which deals a lot with uh, drug use and drug addiction, and then also... Uh, the director's, like, background, like, growing up in, like, small-town Oregon and stuff, right? Uh, especially, like, around central Oregon and stuff. Um, like, opioid use and amphetamine use, spe- specifically, like, um, like method addictions and everything yeah. are, like, rampant through that area. I know. Um, and definitely, like, I can see where that's influenced certain uh, aspects of, of his writing. I just, it's another small thing that makes me love it more because... It really is. It, it plays it's with just that, that sort normalizing of normalizing um, and showing how things are. Well, and it, it plays also with that that sort of seductive, um, addictive like nature of power, right? Yeah. Where it's very easy when you have it to not let it go. Yeah, definitely. The movie is just. It's. it's I don't want to say it's perfect, but it's almost it's, perfect. It's really good. Um, it's it's what makes me really disagree with like. Like that Vanity Fair article, right? Well, Where it's like, Fair no, there's there's anyway. so much more to this text than just like you're only looking at the surface of what's happening. Yeah, here. there's there's so much more to this than just well, there's there's pretty people in good relationships. It's like no, there's there's so stuff to happening. it. There's stuff to actually be talked about with this movie. It's actually very interesting and not just 
here's representational fluff. Yeah. You know. If I wanted that, I have the internet. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about was uh, some of the reviews and stuff. Because this movie gets review bombed pretty heavily on, like, IMDb and stuff. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes and stuff actually has it listed pretty high. I think it's like a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. Um, but whenever I look at, like, uh, commented and written di- reviews, like, I was I was looking at Bloody, Dis- uh, Bloody Disgusting had done a very positive review of it. Uh, but then you look at the comments and it's full of people who haven't watched this movie at all, right? And just see, like, queer feminist vampire movie and instantly jump to, like, they get the idea that it's all, like, misandry throughout the whole thing, right? Instead of Instead of pointing out, like, at the end, right, what what gets determined is it's, like, it's not necessarily uh, your gender that dictates whether or not you're going to be a bad person, yeah. right? But whether more, uh, like, your place within the systems that you, you uh, exist in. Yeah. Right? Where it's, like, it makes sense, for example, for somebody like Vlad to be predatory, Definitely. Um, and malicious, right? Because Vlad already, in theory, came from, like, a position of power, right? One that he already, like, has. And that's not to say that Laurel's brother isn't in the similar position, right? But it's, it feels like, like, there's a, there's a, there's a a substantive, like, class difference there. Yeah, it's very different. And that's not, again, that's not to say that, like. Well, people are a product of how they're, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I get you. Where it's like, again, as we said, I don't want to necessarily pull, like, a class analysis into this because, like, Duke did basically come from, like, effectively nothing, right? Yeah. Like, she ran away from her farm to go live in New York City. Which who wouldn't? Come like, on. engaged in sex work in order to survive and everything. But um, I think that's going to do it for us on this. I, I so highly recommend that people go and watch this movie. Just- if, even if, not even for the deep stuff, it's just a fun movie. It's just a fun movie. There's you don't good need characters. to watch it to analyze it. Just have a good time with it. It's a good movie. It's got good characters. It has very, like, cute interactions, right? It's just, like, yeah. I don't know. It's adorable. Yeah. Yeah, like, the uh, relationship between uh, Izzy and Laurel. Like, whenever they're on screen, they play so well together. And I have to say this. I love that all of the girls in this movie are working together instead of tearing each other apart. I know that's very girl powery sounding, yeah, but, that's, but that's totally fine. Like that's part of part of this whole deal, right? Is that they're like we have to stick together because there's a large number of predatory men, like the master, for example, who are more than willing to take advantage of us if we're working individually. Yeah, and I just—it sounds lame, but it's very nice to see because it doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, us women are very programmed to tear each other apart because, hey, it makes us feel better about the fact that we hate ourselves. Well, it's more of a byproduct of, I like, know. I think, patriarchal systems. It and is. The ways that those work to maintain control over one group versus mm-hmm. another and so on. But My point was valid, too. Your point is absolutely valid. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not invalidating your point. I'm trying to expand on it. But, um, I don't know, like, easy 9 out of 10. Like I said, I'm going to definitely rewatch this. I've been trying to tell Smeg to go watch it. Oh, I'm sorry. You need to have rewatched this. Oh, well, originally I wanted Re to watch it and talk about it with us. 
Because I was supposed to be our special guest, right? Because I was going to get my youngest sibling on. But the issue is, is like because COVID cases are trending higher here, I'm trying not yeah. to take any extra risks. It was one thing when we were like kind of hovering around like 50 or so per 100,000 or something. And then we get like 133 in a day yesterday. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, no, now we got to we got to take things more seriously. And with your sister having been forced to go to that party and all. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to uh, take any any sort of risks or anything. And while they are potentially in a position where they could record at home, their home recording situation is very borked. Nope. Because I don't get home until everybody else is at home with them. And so I don't want to fuck noise. with it that way. Yeah. Well, that – and it's a whole thing of, like, I want – them to be able to be their authentic self and i don't know that that can necessarily happen there yeah kid if you're watching this while uh or you if you're listening to this while other people are around i am so sorry for throwing you under the bus like that <laughs> but i think that's going to do it for us we are actually going to i'm going to say some words that uh any longtime follower of smedco stuff uh already knows and fears uh, it is the dreaded uh, for, uh, phrase, uh, temporary hiatus, because, quite frankly, I need a break. Um, trying to run the podcast every week while also uh, trying to go back to studying web design and, or web development so I can get out of my job uh, and switch to something where maybe I'm not Miserable. so paycheck to paycheck um, be nice. would be very nice but it's very hard to run both those things and maintain relationships at the same time uh yeah unfortunately like frankie and i don't really have time to spend together because either at all we're recording or i'm editing or i'm handling my studying and doing a bunch of other stuff uh so we're gonna try and take just a short hiatus i'm gonna aim for us to be back preferably starting next year like first week of january so we're probably going to take this month and next month off. Uh, I might release something like around December-ish, uh, just like a little one-off episode or something, if we have the time. But uh, episodes are going to get very sporadic for a while. Because I still we still want to do that Christmas episode at least. Yeah. Um, And I still want to do that uh, Saw episode with special guest. I just also need time to do some reading. Because that's the other thing is... I've got a bunch of reading that I want to do so I can discuss these movies more effectively. Um, but unfortunately, those are very academic books that, because of my specific bad brain, I need the extra time to like sit down and dissect and actually chew things over. Because otherwise, all the words just get mashed into a nothing mess. Goo. Yeah. So I'm actually going to have us take the next several minutes and recommend maybe a bunch of somethings to tide people over i know you might not have a ton frankie but uh i'll, I'll go and list some things and i'll allow you to pick up when you can okay mm -hmm. so the first thing i'm gonna do and this is this is probably my biggest like call to action for this one usually i've, I've said the the standard like go donate to bail funds and stuff applies um depending on the results of tonight and so on, uh, I mean, no matter what, try and find some sort of mutual aid or something that you can work on um, to help particularly marginalized voices in your community 
and so on. In the spirit of this movie as well, uh, if you can maybe find some trans GoFundMes, um, transition can be very expensive, and depending on where you're at, especially in like the U.S., uh, where you're at with uh, healthcare and all that stuff, uh, community acceptance, family acceptance, things can get very expensive very fast. Uh, so if you can find some GoFundMes to help out with that, uh, it would be much appreciated. And I don't know, I, I don't want to make any promises, but like if we ever can put together like a special package of like exclusive episodes or something, I would love to be able to put those out or something like that for people who do do that sort of thing. As well, I'm going to ask everybody to try and make some noise for Cynical Cartoons' Mia's movie. Uh, her Twitter is at StopTweetingMia. She wrote a movie over the summer, or a script at least, over the summer called When I Tell You. Uh, it's a movie about, or it's a, the script is about basically a trans woman who travels back in time uh, in order to kind of help her younger self uh, realize that they're trans and start transitioning and uh, all of that. Uh, she's posted a lot of excerpts from it, uh, like script excer excerpts that are like very beautiful scenes, very well done scenes, but she's kind of in a position where she's got this script and she's trying to get something made of it, but it would be easier if people were making some noise and trying to request it. So, maybe make some tweets tagging Stop Tweeting Mia, maybe with, like, the hashtag when I tell you uh, to try and um, get some more noise around this, because it's a project that I personally would very much love to see on screen. Especially, like, Mia has a very good style and, uh, like, very good comedic timing and everything. Like, the scenes in the script that have been, have been released have been, like, very fun to read through. And the playlist that she's got put up on Spotify as, like, sort of a, a tone gauge and, like, movies, music that she'd like to have in it is uh, also very good. For some music to tide you over, um, I'm going to once again recommend some of Mel Stone's music. Mel Stone just came out with a new EP, and it would be great if y'all could listen to that. Once again, boosting some, some trans voices. Also, one of my favorites, Clipping, just came out with a new album. Visions of Bodies Being Burned, Frankie's Already Rolling Her Eyes. Uh, it's very good, uh, like, kind of, it's it's a very experimental hip-hop that uh, has a lot of ties back into, like, horror movies and horrorcore and all that stuff. It's very good. Clipping has done some very excellent work between this, uh, Splendor and Misery, and uh, their previous album, uh, the, There Existed in Addiction to Blood, which that album is also, like, 100% great. Uh, for some podcasts to, lead, to tie you over, if you want something very fun uh, to listen to that maybe isn't uh, at all political, um, Plumbing the Death Star uh, on the Sans Pants Network and, of course, BigSoftTitty.png are my easy recommendations. Uh, I listen to them very frequently. And then for something uh, a little bit more political, I highly recommend listening to uh, Street Fight. It is a anarchist comedy uh, show uh, run out of uh, Columbus. Ohio, and I don't know, it's very good, they do a lot of uh, good work on sort of getting uh, voices out there and stuff, it's a very, very nice community, I, I don't know, I very much enjoy it. And I will probably be tweeting up on 
my Twitter account at itsactatus about whatever movies or something I'm watching. I'll give more recommendations over there, I think, because, I don't know, I've fallen behind on movies. Like, with the podcast, they start to feel, it feels like if I'm watching a movie, I have to do an episode or something on it, or I have to, like, talk about it, and so I wind up not watching as many movies as I would like. And so I think during the break, I'm going to try and watch more. And so I'll share whatever I'm watching up on there, I think. Frankie, have you got a couple recommendations? <clears throat> They're both for books. Okay. So uh, these are two books that both came out recently. They're part of a series for both of them. They're two, about two different authors. So you have Jenna Moresi's Savior Sister and then R.L. Lefevre's. Her new book, Igniting Darkness, just came out. They're okay. both... Uh, one of them is a self-published author. The other one's just not as well-known yeah. as some others, so they're both great books. Okay. That's all. All right. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any, like, YouTubers Even though you went on for, like, ten minutes. Look, I've had a lot of time this last week to think about, like, recommendations that I want to get across and everything. Nerd. Well, Nerd. Look, I got nothing to Nerd. do but, like, think about things that I wish I had never said on podcast. Like, I was telling Smeg the other night, like, I still have moments where I'm at work, and I'll think about that fuck-up that I had. Cringe. Where I fucked up and, like, mistook Spike Lee for Boots Riley because, like, forms that I'd been in had been talking about um, an argument that they'd been in or something like that I'd been reading earlier that day. And so the two got conflated in my dumb, broken brain. And so I'm going off the whole time about, like, oh, you would love Spike Lee. Uh, just watch Sorry to Bother You, and then I'll think uh, you'll, you'll get it. Forgetting that that was by Boots Riley. Because, and, like, I feel, I feel so bad even now. Like, already I can feel, like, my Yo. skeleton wanting to leave. Yeah. Because, like, fuck. Especially when, like, we so rarely discuss black directors. And then the one fucking you time. You mistake it for another black guy. Especially when we're talking about two people who do, like, <laughs> Very exclusively, like, black stories, right? Like, fucking it up that hard. Like, I'm still, like... Yeah. I, I will be at work, and I will think about that, and I will dissociate for a solid hour. Just, like... It's not, it's not the only person who has that where you think back, and you just physically cringe in your body. But here's the thing, is it hits a point where I keep being like, maybe, maybe I should go back and cut that bit out and just re-upload. Maybe I just remove that episode. If I just remove that episode, it won't be a problem. But then it plays with my issue of, you like... You have the uh, knowledge that you did it. Well, it, it plays instead with my issue of, like, I have a, a deep issue with uh, the ephemeral nature of things on the internet, right? Like, the fact that things on the internet can just disappear sometimes and not be found, right? Because there's there's not backups of those recordings, mm -hmm. uh, except for on our, our podcast host, and I think Smeg has copies of most of them, mm -hmm. right? So if I were to get rid of them, those are just gone, right? All those bits and bytes just lost to the ether. And that fills me with a sense of uh, depression and dread more than anything else. Like, I, I have a deep issue with, like, we're, we're looking at redoing the site, and there's a chance that um, we get rid of the articles feature. We're kind of debating on whether or not to get rid of that. Which means potentially those articles just go away, right? Mm -hmm. And the fact that that might happen kills me. But at the same time, I can't find any reason to back it up anywhere else. 
this is where I've, I've discussed with my I, back when I had a therapist forever ago, decades ago. Um, back when I had a therapist, I even discussed like I have a bad habit habit of like engaging in digital hoarding, where I will have backups of backups of backups of picture folders that I haven't accessed since 2009 because the thought of deleting them and potentially deleting something that was once important to me in that way fills me with the same sense of dread and depression that hoarders seem to experience when they're being asked to throw away like that newspaper from 1957. You have a problem. I know I have a problem. (laughs) Also Uh, I feel like sorry I just got thinking about this. Yeah. Y'all are stuck at home right now with COVID. Do something new. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's very tough, too, because, like, to find something new to do without, like, since so many people have, like, had to lose their jobs, right? Money might be hard to come by and everything. Um, I'm just saying, if you can, maybe explore a new hobby or an interest you have. or Just learn something new right now. Yeah. I mean, like, if you are in a position where you are able to explore a little bit maybe try and take this time to do some soul searching while things are a lot of people will wind up talking about how this period of time feels like it has stretched for decades and maybe use that slowness and that stillness to like do some thinking that's what i've been doing i think that's what all of us i hope so that's what we've all been doing but you never know yeah because i mean it's it's tough but like maybe in quiet moments like these like do some thinking about that thing that's been bugging you yeah it's just like you got the downtime maybe some work on some stuff yeah like just come out of this better than you went into it oh that's that's not happening in my case Maybe slightly happier or happy you learned something new or just anything i came into this mess right like a raccoon digging through trash and so I'm you going dived to right exit in this mess like a raccoon buried under four tons of trash well yeah that's our lives but and the trash piles on fire yeah and I, you're just I, happily I, rolling around waiting until it gets to you so you can die oh, i'm not happy at all very much wanting out very very much wanting out no, 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 but you... i'm stuck in the dumpster prison and there's no escaping <laughs> it you're that poor bastard who accidentally crawls towards the bad guy on a battlefield and yeah. gets shot anyway. Yeah, exactly. But um, follow me at It's Actatus. You can follow me nowhere. So like I said, do some signal boosting on Mia's project Definitely. at Stop Tweeting Mia. And uh, maybe donate to a bail fund or a, a uh, mutual aid uh, relief fund. Or if you have the ability and the time... Uh, maybe volunteer some labor hours to that. It w- it's always uh, much appreciated. Rate, subscribe, maybe share some of the stuff out of our backlog with uh, your friends and so on. It would be uh, much appreciated. I-, I hope that when we come back from this, we haven't lost too many of you. While there's not like a big audience for us right now, I do appreciate all the support that's already here. And I- I'm hoping that when we come back, we're not stuck rebuilding from zero again. Because it's always, it's why I have such a hard time taking time off is because we've done it so many times and every time that we have, it's felt like we're just rebuilding. Well, yeah, because you take like a year off in between. Well, and that's why I was saying it's, it's the most dreaded phrase in any Smedco listeners things. It's like we had an unannounced hiatus for the pen and paper cast plug for our other podcast. 
three years ago, and we've yet to come back. I want to, but for the love of God, buy somebody buys Gonda a fucking computer. That oh, no. dumb kid needs one. I need one now since I've ruined. Yeah, but you can record with me on this. Well, yeah, but he's got nothing. Well, yeah. Except for a, a laptop that barely works, it blue screens every thirty minutes, and it buzzes when you try and record. Yeah. But um, until until next time, be kind. Rewind and, and be, be excellent. excellent. My mouth doesn't work right. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.